Om Sai Ram. A warm welcome to all the devotees on this auspicious Thursday. Baba is the embodiment of Parabrahma. He is omniscient and omnipotent. He knows everything that has happened in the past and all that which is yet to happen. Baba knew all the scriptures of all religions well. Although he appeared as a Muslim fakir, he had a deep knowledge of the scriptures including Gita and he knew Sanskrit as well. Although Baba was never seen reciting such text, but Baba knew everything about all scriptures of all religions. Baba was the embodiment of Parabrahma. Today, in this chapter, chapter number 39, we shall witness such incidents. In this chapter, the author Sri Govind Raghunath Dabolkar alias Hemadpant narrates the incident that depicts Baba's knowledge of Sanskrit. He also narrates tales of construction of Samadhi Mandir of Baba. Before we begin, I prostrate unto the lotus feet of Lord Ganesha, the Lord of Wisdom, and Goddess Saraswati, the Goddess of Knowledge. I seek refuge unto the holy feet of my Kuladevta, Bhavani Shankar Nagesh Maharudra, and Goddess Mahalakshmi Devi. My maternal deities, Sri Devki Krishna Ravarnath, Sri Ramnath, and Goddess Sateri. I bow in reverence unto the divine feet of my Sadguru, Sainath Maharaj of Shirdi, my parents and my grandparents. Last but not the least, I bow down to you all, my listeners. Let us begin now. Chapter 39 This chapter deals with Baba's interpretation of the verses from Bhagavad Gita. As some people believe that Baba knew not Sanskrit and the interpretation was Nana Sahib Chandorkar's, Himarpant wrote another chapter 50, refuting that objection. As the chapter number 50 deals with the same subject matter, it is incorporated in this chapter. Preliminary Blessed is Shirdi and blessed is Dwarkamai, where Sri Sai lived and moved until he took Mahasamadhi. Blessed are the people of Shirdi whom he obliged and for whom he came such long distance. Shirdi was a small village first, but it attained great importance on account of his contact and became a Tirtha or holy place of pilgrimage. Equally blessed are the women folk of Shirdi. Blessed is their whole and undivided faith in him. They sang the glories of Baba while taking bath, while grinding, pounding corn and doing other household work. Blessed is their love, for they sang sweet songs which calm and pacify the minds of the singers and listeners. Baba's Interpretation Nobody believed that Baba knew Sanskrit. One day, he surprised all by giving a good interpretation of verses from Bhagavad Gita to Nana Sahib Chandorkar. A brief account about this matter was written by Mr. B.V. Dev, who was a retired Mamladdar and published in Marathi in Sri Sai Lila magazine, volume number 4. 
Short accounts of the same are also published in Sai Baba's Charters and Sayings, page number 61, and in Wanderer's Saint of Sai Baba, page number 36, both by Brother B. V. Narasimha Swami and Mr. B. V. Dev has also given an English version of this in its statement dated September 27, 1936, and published on page 66 of Devotee Experiences Part 3, published by the said Swami. As Mr. Dev had gone first-hand information about this subject from Nana Sahib himself, we give below his version. Nana Sahib Chandwarkar was a good student of Vedanta. He had read Gita with commentaries and prided himself on his knowledge of all that. He fancied that Baba knew nothing of all this or of Sanskrit. So, Baba one day pricked the bubble. These were the days before crowds flocked to Baba when Baba had solitary talks at the mosque with such devotees. Nana was sitting near Baba and massaging his legs and muttering something. Baba said, Nana, what are you mumbling yourself? Nana replied, I am reciting shlok from Sanskrit. Baba said, What shlok? Nana replied, From Bhagavad Gita. Baba said, Utter it loudly. So then, Nana recited Bhagavad Gita chapter 4, shlok 34, which is as follows. Tadviddhi pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya upadekshanti te jnanam jnani nastat tvadarshinaha. Baba said, Nana, do you understand it? Nana replied, Yes, Baba. So then Baba asked, If you do, then tell me. Nana said, It means this making sakshtan namaskar that is prostration questioning the guru serving him learn what this jnan is then those jnanis that have attained the real knowledge of uh, sadvastu that is brahma will give you upadesha or instruction of jnana so baba said nana I do not want this sort of collected purport of whole stanza. So uh, give me each word its grammatical force and meaning. So then Nana explained it word by word. Baba said, Nana, is it enough to make prostration merely? Nana was confused and he said, I do not know any other meaning for this word. Pranipata, then making prostration. So Baba said, What is Pariprashnena? Nana replied, asking questions. Baba inquired, What does Prashna mean? Nana replied, The same, questioning. Now Baba said, If Pariprashna means the same as Prashna, why did Vyasa add this prefix Pari? Was Vyasa off his head? 
Nana said, I do not know of any other meaning for the word Pariprashna. So Baba said, Seva. What sort of Seva it means? Nana said, Just what we are doing, always. Baba said, Is it enough to render such service? Nana replied, I do not know what more it signified by the word Seva. So Baba said, In the next line, Upadekshyanti te janam. Can you so read it as to read any other word in lieu of Jnanam? Nana said, Yes. Baba said, What word? Nana said, Adnyanam. So Baba replied, Taking that word instead of Jnana, is any meaning made out of these verses? Nana said, No. Shankar Bhasha gives no such construction. So Baba replied, Never mind if it does not. Is there any objection to using the word Adnyana if it gives a better sense? Nana said, I do not understand how to construct by placing Adnyana in it. Baba said, Why does Krishna refer Arjuna to Jnanis or Tatpadrishis? To this, he, uh, his prostration, interrogation and service. Was not Krishna a Tattvadarshi, in fact, Jnana himself? Nana said, yes, he was. But I do not make out why he referred Arjuna to Jnanis. Baba said, have you not understood this? Nana was humiliated now. His pride was knocked on head. Then Baba began to explain. And this is what Baba said. It is not enough merely to prostrate before the jnanis. We must make sarvasva sharanagati, that is complete surrender to Guru. Mere questioning is not enough. The question must not be made with any improper motive or attitude or to trap the Guru and catch at you know mistakes in the answer or out of idle curiosity. It must be serious and with a view to achieve moksha or spiritual progress. Seva is not rendering service. Retaining still the feeling that one is free to offer or refuse service. One must feel that he is not the master of the body, that the body is Guru's and exists merely to render service to him. If this is done, the Sadguru will show you what the Jnana refers to in the previous stanza is. Nana did not understand what is meant by saying that Guru teaches Adnana. So Baba said, How is Jnana Ubdesh that is imparting of realization to be effected? Destroying ignorance is Jnana. And which is also uh, verse OV1396 of Jnaneshwari commenting on Gita uh, 18 to 66 says, Removal of ignorance is like this. O Arjuna, if dream and sleep disappear, you are yourself. It is like that. Also, OV number 83 on Gita, uh, verse 16 says, Is there anything different or independent in jnana besides the destruction of ignorance? 
Expelling darkness means light. Destroying duality or dvaita means not duality, that is advaita. Whenever we speak of destroying dvaita, we speak of advaita. Whenever we talk of destroying darkness, we talk of light. If we have to realize advaita state, the feeling of dvaita in our self has to be removed. And that is the realization of advaita state. Who can speak of advaita while remaining in dvaita? If one did, unless one gets into that state, how can one know it and how to realize it? Again, the shishya or disciple, like the Sadguru, is really embodiment of jnana. The difference between the two lies in the attitude. High realization, marvelous uh, superhuman sattva, an unrivaled capacity, and Aishwarya Yoga, that is divine powers. The Sadguru is Nurgun, Satchit Ananda. He has indeed taken human form to elevate mankind and rise the world. But his real Nirgun state is not destroyed thereby, even a bit. His beingness or reality, divine power and wisdom remain undiminished. The disciple also is in fact of the same Swarupa, but it is overlaid by the effect of samskaras and innumerable births in the shape of ignorance, which hides from his view that he is Shuddha Chaitanya. This was from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 5, chapter uh, V15. As stated therein, he gets the impressions. I am Jeeva, a creature, humble and poor. The Guru has to root out these offshoots of ignorance and has to give Ubdesha or instruction to the disciple, held spellbound for endless generations by the ideas of his being a creature, humble and poor. The Guru imparts in hundreds of births the teaching, You are God, you are mighty, and opulent. Then he realizes a bit that he is God really. The perpetual delusion under which the disciple is laboring that he is the body, that he is a creature, jiva or ego, that God or Paramatma and the world are different from him is an error inherited from innumerable passports. From actions based on it, he has derived his joy, sorrows and mixtures of both. To remove this delusion, this error, this root ignorance, he must start the inquiry. How did the ignorance arise? Where is it? And to show him this is called the Guru's Ubdesh. The following are the instances of Adnyana. I am Jeev, creature. Body is the soul, I am the body. God, world and Jeev are different. I am not God, not knowing that body is not the soul. Not knowing that God, world and Jeeva are one. Unless these errors are exposed to his view, the disciple cannot learn what is God, Jeev, world, body and how they are interrelated and whether they are different from each other or are one and the same. To teach him this and destroy his ignorance is the instruction in jnana or adnyana. 
why should jnana be imparted to jiva who is jnanamurti Ubdesh is merely to show him his error and destroy his ignorance. Baba added, Pranipatena implies surrender. Surrender must be of body, mind and wealth. Why should Krishna refer Arjuna to other jnanis? Sadbhakta takes everything to be Deva state, Bhagavad Gita. Any guru will be Krishna to the devotee and Guru takes disciple to be Dev state and Krishna treats both as his Prana and Atma. This is from Bhagavad Gita uh, commentary of Jnanadev on this. At Sri Krishna knows that there are such Bhaktas and Gurus, he refers Arjuna to them so that their greatness may increase and be known. Let us now move on to the next topic, construction of Samadhi Mandir in Shirdi. Baba never talked nor ever made any fuss about the things which he wanted to accomplish. But he so skillfully arranged the circumstances and surroundings that the people were surprised at the slow but sure results attained. The construction of Samadhi Mandir is an instance in point. Sriman Bapusaheb Bhutti, who was the famous multi-millionaire of Nagpur, lived in Shirdi with his family. Once, an idea arose in his mind that he should have a building of his own there. Sometimes after this, while he was sleeping in Dikshit's vada, he got a vision. Baba appeared in his dream and ordered him to build a vada of his own with temple. Shama, who was sleeping there, got also a similar vision. So when Bapu Sahib was awakened, he saw Shama crying and asked him why. The latter replied that in his vision, Baba came close to him and ordered distinctly, Build the Vada with the temple. I shall fulfill the desires of all. Hearing the sweet and loving words of Baba, I was overpowered with emotion. My throat was choked. My eyes were overflowing with tears and I began to cry. Bapu Sahib was surprised to see that both their versions tallied. Being a rich and capable man, he decided to build a vada there and drew up a plan with Madhavrao, that is Shama. Kaka Sahib Dikshit also approved of it and when it was placed before Baba, he also sanctioned it immediately. Then the construction work was duly started and under the supervision of Shama, the ground floor of the cellar and well were completed. Baba also on his way to and from Lendibag suggested certain improvements. Further, the work was entrusted to Bapu Sahib Jok and when it was going on, an idea struck Bapu Sahib Bhutti's mind that there should be an open room or platform in the center uh, the image of Murlidhar, that is Lord Krishna, with the flute be installed. He asked Shama to refer this matter to Baba and get his consent. The latter asked Baba about this when he was just passing by the Vada. Hearing Shama, Baba gave his consent, saying, The temple is complete and I will come there to stay. And staring at the Vada, he added, After the Vada is complete, we shall use it ourselves. We shall leave 
move and play there embrace each other and be very happy then shama asked baba whether this was the auspicious time to begin the foundation work of the central room of the shrine the latter answered in an affirmative shama got a coconut broke it and started the work in due time the work was completed and an order was also given to uh, for making a good image of murlidhar but before it was ready a new thing turned up baba became seriously ill and was about to pass away bapu sahib became very sad and dejected thinking that if baba passed away his vada would not be consecrated by the holy touch of baba's feet and all his money about a lakhs of rupees would be wasted away but the words place or keep me in the vada which came out of baba's mouth just before his passing away consoled not only bapu sahib but one and all in due time baba's holy body was placed and preserved in the center shrine meant or designed for murlidhar and baba himself became murlidhar and the vada thus became the samadhi mandir of sai baba his wonderful life is unfathomable blessed and fortunate is bapu sahib buti in whose vada lies the holy and the pure body of baba with this we come to an end of this chapter bow to shri sai peace be to all om sai ram